In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Happy Father's Day to all the great fathers out there. And happy Father's Day to all the mothers who are pulling the whole duty. Um, there are many ways that God has revealed himself to us. Okay, Be it through creation, through the Bible, uh, through the church, uh, through his provisions and his blessings that he gives us. Through Christ, his only begotten Son, and through the Holy Spirit. And through every one of those means... We've come to know God as the creator, as the Pentecrator, as the almighty, the, or the infinite, as the lover of mankind. Or as we're told in Exodus, his name is I am who I am. And the phrase I am who I am is a bit vague. It's a bit vague and it's left open-ended for us. But I think that's the whole point of it in the sense that aside from the fact that God can't possibly be described or defined by any human terms. His undefined name of I am who I am allows him to be anything I need him to be for me. So to the hopeless, he becomes their hope. To the sick, he becomes their physician. To the weak, he becomes their strength. To the needy, he becomes their provider. So in short, he becomes anything that we need him to be for us. In other words, he's a father. He's a father. Not just a father, but he's the father. He's the source of fatherhood itself. The only reason we know what a father is, what a father should be, is because of our God the Father. And as a father, he desires for us to know him as his children. But how can we know him? And that's the question that by God's grace I want to be able to spend uh, a few minutes on today. So as I mentioned earlier, one of the few ways for us to know God, and actually it's the main way, it's through Christ and through the work of the Holy Spirit. Through Christ, because he is the image of the invisible God, just as St. Paul says in Colossians. And it's through the Holy Spirit, because it's through the Holy Spirit that we're, we're able to call him Abba Father. And if we were to look at today's gospel reading, it's the gospel of the paralyzed man, whose four friends bring in through the roof for Christ to heal. It didn't mention the four, the four friends in, in today's gospel because we read the account from Luke. Um, there's also another account in Mark, uh, Mark 2, that has a little bit more information about the, and it mentions the four friends, and it's also mentioned in Matthew 9. Okay? But the purpose of today's gospel is not so necessarily so much the miracle itself, as much as it is knowledge of God, knowledge of God. And that theme was also prevalent in the Pauline epistle that we read today, as well as uh, the Catholic epistle and also in Acts. And really this entire season is all about the knowledge of God and the Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things and brings us to the knowledge of God. And in the gospel reading today, we see the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. In other words, every, you know, people that should know anything and everything there is to know about God. Okay? Coming from different places to see Christ. But even though he was in the midst of them, they didn't see him because they didn't know him. Even though he performed a miracle right in front of their eyes, they didn't know who he is. Even though he forgave the man's sins right in front of them, they still didn't know who he was. And even though, even in the gospel says, 
the power of God was present among them to heal them, but they were not healed because they didn't know him. Why? Because knowledge of God isn't so much about how much information I know, how many verses I could recite from the Bible, how many hymns that I have memorized, whether I know Coptic or don't know Coptic, or anything on the surface like that at all. Okay? Knowledge of God comes from the work of the Holy Spirit within me and how I live my life. The Greek language has multiple words for knowledge. There's gnosis, right, and there's epignosis. And the difference is, is, uh, is, is minute in the sense that gnosis means general knowledge of something. So for example, I know basketball is a sport where you're supposed to score this orange ball on the other team's basket. That's gnosis, right? But epignosis is a more full and complete understanding of something especially as it pertains to God himself. So in the example that I just used with basketball, I would know everything there is to know about basketball. The history, the players, the stats, the teams, everything there is to know, because I have an intimate knowledge of basketball. Okay? And the, as his children, we are actually to know, we're actually made to know God. The second word that I use, the epignosis. Not just know of him. Okay? He's not an abstract person that I hear about every Sunday. But he's our father. He's our father. He's real. He's tangible. He's someone for us to have an intimate relationship with because that's who we're going to be spending eternity with. That's what Christ said. Christ said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. <clears throat> and that's also why so many of St. Paul's letters include prayers for the people that he was writing to, or the communities that he was writing to, to grow in the knowledge of God. Because that's our goal in life. It's for us to know God, to know our Maker. It should be our goal to experience Him and have a union with Him, because that's what we were created for. Otherwise, why even bother creating us? And that's what Athanasius says. He says, For what meaning would there be for creation if man should not know God? So knowing God is possible. Having a relationship with Him as our Father is possible. It's not something that's conceptual, that's something that we talk about and just don't actually apply. Because He made us for us to know Him in many different ways. And He continues to give us access to Himself because He wants us to know Him and have a relationship with Him. You know, logically speaking, how can a father not want his children to know him. It wouldn't really make too much sense. So it is possible to know him. And we come to know him as his children through purity of heart. And that's why Christ said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So a pure heart is sort of like your windshield. The cleaner it is, the better your vision is on the road. Okay? And the cleaner our hearts are, the better our knowledge of God becomes. St. Gregory of Nyssa says that purity of heart is the key that unlocks our knowledge of God. Purity of heart is the key that unlocks our knowledge of God. So because the heart is considered the seat of our innermost person. Who we really are is really in our hearts. It's the place where all our actions, all our words, all our thoughts flow from. Right? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. 
wellspring of life. And it's also why Christ said, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So a good, a good, a good person with a good heart brings forth good things. And also, the inverse is true. So that's why it's important for us to guard our hearts and keep it pure, because it's how we come to know God. By guarding it, we keep it holy, and when it's holy, it becomes a dwelling place for God Himself. It becomes a place where I could see and meet God face to face. And the Pharisees, although they saw Christ, they didn't know Him because their hearts were not pure. He always rebuked them. If you think about all the different rebukes Christ had for the for the Pharisees, it's all centered around one thing. Is that on the outside, they looked beautiful, they did everything right, but on the inside, they were impure. Their hearts were impure. Their knowledge of God was clouded because their hearts were cloud, was clouded. Okay. And a pure heart means simply means a holy heart. It means a heart that doesn't have any dirt or sinfulness. Okay, a, the, a heart that's clear, and clarity brings knowledge. Clarity brings knowledge. You know, like kind of when somebody goes on vacation and you ask them how their vacation was, say they go to Hawaii, like, oh, the water is so beautiful, so clear, you could walk in five miles and you could see your feet. Okay? It's kind of like that in the sense that when you have a clean heart, you know where you're going. And when you're, what you're, and, and your knowledge of God becomes very, very clear because you see Him for who He is. Having a pure heart is a big ask, obviously. It's not something that we could cultivate on our own. And that's why David asks God for a clean heart, to create a clean heart within him, because it's not something that David could have done. And it's not something that any of us could do on our own, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us that we can have a pure heart. But we have a small role to play. We have a small role to play. And what is that role? In today's Catholic epistle, St. Peter mentions eight virtues okay, that purify our hearts and lead us to the knowledge of God. So he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Okay. These are all qualities and virtues that we should be striving towards and praying to God to cultivate in our hearts. And when all these virtues are present, when we are actually living these virtues, our hearts become pure, and we're able to know God. But without them, it would be really difficult to recognize God, even though He's everywhere. Just like the Pharisees, even though Christ was in front of them, they were not aware of who He is, because they didn't know Him, because their hearts were not pure. And think of these eight virtues that St. Peter mentioned as climbing a ladder of spiritual perfection, in a sense, okay? which will lead to a deeper knowledge of God. I won't cover all eight virtues, because we're going to be here until next Father's Day, if I do that in, in detail. But, but we're just, I'll just briefly talk about each step. So St. Peter starts off the list by faith. Because life with God begins with faith in Him. I can't possibly come to know somebody without even have, having faith in who they are and what they're all about. Any relationship, even earthly relationship, begins with trust. 
Faith is the gateway to the knowledge of God. And it's through faith that we come to know his existence, come to know who he is and his love for us. It's the key that unlocks our knowledge. That's why it's listed first. It's the foundation of our relationship with God. St. Athanasius says, Through faith, we enter into communion with the living God and receive knowledge of the truth. So St. Peter begins the list with faith and ends the list with love because love is the crown of all virtues. And between the two, he sandwiches six virtues. Okay? He continues with goodness because what good is my faith if my actions don't actually reflect it? Like St. James says, faith without works is dead. Then he goes on to knowledge. And not knowledge like I'm talking about, like we were talking about earlier, but knowledge more in the sense of discernment, to know what's right and what's wrong. From there, he says self-control, because we're faced with many temptations. So for us to be able to resist them, we have to have self-control. And temptations are not a one-time thing. They're always continuous. So that's why he adds perseverance right after self-control. Because we need to be able to endure to the very end to persevere in our spiritual walk. All this leads to godliness, or separation, or other words, separation from the world. Separation from the world that's around me. And when I'm godly, then I'll be able to love everybody around me. And that's why he mentions brotherly kindness. And the word for, for the Greek has like nine different words for love. Okay, but the ones that he uses here, he uses Philadelphia for brotherly, because that's the type of love that is for me and my, like my best friends, right? It's that type of love um, that we have between one another. It's that Philadelphia love. That's why the city of Philadelphia is called the city of the brotherly love. It's based off of that, okay? But that's not where we're asked to stop. We're asked to go to love, okay? And the word that he uses for love is agape love. Agape love is the highest form of love there is. It's the love of, of God for us. That, life, that love that enables God or allowed God to come down to, to save and redeem us. And believe it or not, we are called to love at that level. Because when we love like God, our hearts become purified. And then we're able to know Him. And in knowing Him, we can become like Him, which is what we're all striving for. So, I know these virtues are a lot to keep in mind. I tried coming up with like a clever tune or something that's easy to memorize, but I couldn't come up with anything clever. Uh, but the easiest way to think about it, think of them as just one step leading to another. Okay, one step leading to another. But that's also why we have the Holy Spirit to teach us all things and bring us remembrance, remembrance all things that we are taught. So I'll give you a little homework assignment. And your homework is, I'll encourage you to memorize them. But if you can't memorize them, your homework becomes just take one of these virtues and focus, focus on it for one week at a time. Okay, so for example, for faith, maybe this week we learn to trust God a bit more in certain situations or certain aspects in our life. Maybe we get take time to know Him and build a relationship with Him through prayer or reading our Bibles a little bit more than we usually do. Or maybe we practice the virtue of self-control by abstaining from food for a certain period of time. I know we're fasting anyways. Or if we have the urge to commit a certain sin or a certain habit, we abstain from it by practicing self-control. Or maybe the, the virtue of love, 
We practice it by, by forgiving somebody that we're upset with, or maybe going the extra mile, two or three, with somebody that needs us. Okay? Those are just a few examples, but just pick a virtue of the eight and practice it, practice it one week at a time, right? applying it to the situations that you're facing, that you're facing in your life. And hopefully by the end of the eight weeks, our hearts become more pure, allowing us to know God, our Father, our Father, on a deeper and a more intimate uh, level. Okay? And glory be to God forever. Amen.